Welcome to Archery Talk 101 podcast, your guide to better archery skills. We'll bring you the latest tips, tricks, and expert advice, but that's not all. We'll also have interviews with top archers and industry professionals and reviews of the latest gear and equipment and much more. So do you know where to get your archery equipment? Well, we might be able to answer that today. Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury. I'm a host today on Archer Talk 101. And on the show today, we have Seth. And uh, I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me, Roy. Uh, Seth Poston, I, the owner of Serious Archery Products and Toughhead Broadhead. We're uh, based just south of Cincinnati in Northern Kentucky and having a uh, phenomenal year this year so far. And we're excited to be here. Yeah, so how did you get started in archery? Well, I've, I've got bow hunting or started bow hunting probably 25 years ago or so. And uh, like everybody kind of gets hooked on it and get go deep diving into it. Um, when I originally started, I think my parents got me a Bear Jennings bow. I mean, this is going back to probably 1989. And uh, I think it had a, I was 14 and it had a draw length of about 35 inches, I think, and uh, it, was, it felt like it was about 180 pounds. I think it was set at 50, but uh, it was kind of a you know, miserable experience getting started and uh, put it down for a while. Just It really wasn't fun. Uh, then I uh, was a full-time fireman for the city of Covington, Kentucky, and uh, spent 22 years there. And got back into it because a lot of the guys there hunted and that's how we bonded a lot off, off duty with, with that. And um, so picked it back up, just loved it, love everything about bow hunting. Uh, I love watching the flight of arrows and I like hyper tuning and, and that. So, but in the process of um, working at Covington Fire Department, I had also started uh, fire and EMS uh, sales and service business and uh, the dealership for Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. And uh, God was just very, uh, very uh, blessing to us. And he gave us a lot of increase and it did very, very well. And I sold that to a private equity group in 2018. So uh, Serious Archery, I had been shooting their products before uh, ever even thought about this. It wasn't even a thought in my mind. And I scheduled a hunt to Canada in, uh, I think it was in May or late May, early June of 20. And um, lo and behold, the border was closed because of COVID. But they, they yeah. assured us that they were going to open it two days before our hunt was supposed to start. So I had broken a few arrows and wanted to take some extras with me. So I called Sirius uh, at the time. as. Uh, Andy Dutton and Tim Packer, just two wonderful individuals, and uh, was talking with them and said, hey, is there any way you could rush me out some arrows? I'll pay the express shipping, and uh, because they're going to open the border. Uh, <laughs> long, sto long story short, they didn't open the border for nine or ten more months. Um, <laughs> but in the process of, of uh, calling them back, if we found out, no, they weren't going to they weren't going to open the border. I said, hey, you don't need to cancel uh, my order, but I don't need the express shipping. Don't break your neck to get them out. Well, just as, you know, the way God works things out, the um, uh, there were two 
cancellations on the, one of the owners, uh, bear trip to Maine for the same exact time. So he said, hey, would you guys like to go? Oh, it works out great. So we went up there and hunted and he stayed for, I think, two and a half days after driving 22 hours to Maine um, because he was just buried under with orders. And he said, I, I got to get back. So he drove 22 hours back. Uh, and so I just felt God saying, hey, give him a call and uh, shot him a text actually and said, hey, would you guys be interested in selling? Because I had some investment money from my previous exit that I, I wanted to invest. And um, so they, he said, I'll have to talk to my partner, Andy, and we'll get back to you. So about a week later, um, they, they both had successful careers outside of this as well. And so about a week later, uh, we had started going into negotiations. They decided they want to sell. Three weeks later, the lawyers were all done. And I was the owner of Serious Archery Products. So uh, I had a really good firm foundation because uh, Andy was uh, an aerospace engineer with GE. So he does the engineering and still does adjunct engineering for us today. He's just, he's a composites expert. So he was really, really good. The product that I was um, buying from them and the, all the intellectual property and everything was just really sound. So we had a good, good start there. And then that's when I made my hobby my job. So uh, they say never do that. There's a good reason. Um, but uh, they had they, they gave excellent customer service. And that was the one thing that, that uh, I insisted on was just having spectacular customer service because I don't care. We can make an error that won't break, but you don't want to shoot it. So if there is ever any issues or you're getting on ready to go to a Honda, we, we specialize in a lot of Africa stuff right now. They're kind of the go-to for Africa. So, and a lot of these guys call up and they're like, oh man, my hunt's two weeks out. Can you help me with this? And I, right before this call, I have a guy that's three weeks out and he still doesn't have everything together uh, for a Cape Buffalo hunt. So we're getting everything together for him. But, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, we provide that a lot of places don't is we'll give you free 15 minutes to talk about your setup, get everything just right so that you're in the absolute best setting that you can be. And a lot of this problem stems from, and I don't blame it on these folks, but you know, you have uh, the local bow shop, right? And they just don't make enough from the manufacturers on bows. That's what it comes down to. If you make $200 on a bow, you're doing really good. Well, I mean, you figure, you know, if, you, if you're a good deal and sell 300 bows in a year, you know, 60,000 bucks, and you got to keep the lights on and carry inventory and pay somebody. And so a lot of these shops, there's a lot of good ones, but there's some where they hire the 18-year-old kid that's spitting dip into a Mountain Dew bottle and telling you how stupid you are for shooting this, that, or the other. And yeah. lo and behold, we... We get a lot of people that call us because they're they're just frustrated. They're at wit's end, and and we help them through and get them into the right setup, and then they're they're fine. But uh, now there's a few other companies that have uh, started to do the same thing that we're doing, just uh, because of our success, I'm sure. And they're giving out uh, some free phone consultation as well. But we've done that since the very beginning. You can schedule time with us, get on the calendar. We'll make sure everything's right with your setup. Um, because a lot of what happens is when you're not super strong at tuning your bow, 
you just tell the customer, throw a mechanical on the front and shoot light and fast because that covers up a lot of issues. <laughs> and uh, as soon as you start shooting a more adult setup and, and you're shooting a little bit uh, heavier point weight and, and you're, uh, you know, a little bit stronger setup, well, boy, that really starts to lower the, the water in the creek and the rocks really start showing up and it's frustrating, right. you know, and then you take it back to that bow shop two or three times and they, they can't help you. And then they tell you you're dumb for shooting what you're shooting. And so we get a lot of customers that way, but that's, that's how we, we got uh, serious. And we bought that in July of 2020, right in the middle of COVID. Um, then in 2021, I was already friends with um, Jason Wojohoas, and we just call him Wojo from Toughhead Broadhead. And we had done some stuff together where we, I worked with him on some social media stuff and things like that. And we uh, purchased them in July of 2021. So we're, uh, we then opened, uh, opened up our eyes to the whole marketing thing. And, you know, I was able to pull away a, a really, really talented guy named Connor Akers who was producing another television show and pull him over. And so we have serious outdoor production. And that's where we, we create the serious outdoor TV, serious podcast, and, and all the media stuff that we do. So it, it's going well. It's going really, really well. We're really blessed where we are right now. I think our economy hit us a little bit. We're in, a, we're in that upper end market. We're not, we're not going to be your, uh, say, Carbon Express uh, price point or Black Eagle price point. We're, we're up there. And uh, and it's just the differences in you know carbon. They make a great product in their price range, and we're just in a little bit different one. Uh, but being in that high end range, I think we're starting to see that uh, people are saying, oh, you know, I'm I'm going to get those arrows, but I'll probably wait a little closer to season. We've been season, seeing the, the the trend change over the last two years, and this year it's been uh, in getting people to calling in and we do have a value uh arrow where it's still really straight and over one straight arrow still strong but it's made of a carbon that's uh cost a little bit less and that lets people get into a good straight arrow that may not be able to get into our other arrows and we've seen a big jump in the sales of those so we can definitely see that the economy is starting to to change things a little bit yeah i know i know that uh, I only shoot the 1,000 straightness arrows. You know, I I had a shop, an archery shop, back uh, about well, a little over 20 years ago. And, you know, what you were saying about we don't make much money off the bows. Uh, the low-end bow, which is the PSE Nova, because I was a PSE dealer, I made about $90 to $95 off the sale of the bow. The high-end bow, I made about $110, $120. So I'm roughly making a hundred dollars per bow sale. Right. It, right. You, you can't you can't make on it. But what we made up for it is selling accessories, you know, because the higher end bows are just plain bow, no kits. Lower right. ones were, were a kit. And you know, kind of helping out the, the beginner. I included half a dozen arrows with it. Because the, the PSE Nova back then come with um, you know, a, a stabilizer, a sight, the rest, and a quiver. I put six arrows in it with tips in it. I included one of those little, little cheap uh, Patriot releases, you know, just to get them started. Um, you know, I put a sling on it, print string, string dampers on it, uh, uh, tied what we used to call little poofa balls, 
they were they were actually they were uh fishing jig making material like making bass jigs yeah and we'd cut them about oh two three inches long the time in the middle and you pull them and, and then cut them they might farm the little balls it's like yeah. that's fun to do and, and they and they worked really really well they, yeah. i'm actually putting them back on my bow now <laughs> now i've gone to like the limb savers who just put in the string and i put them not on the string but i put them on the cables yeah um, you know anything you can pluck and, and decrease the sound of course it slows it down and I, like you, you know everything you put on your bow or everything you do other than 70 pounds 30 inch draw length uh, 350 grain arrow with one knock point is going to slow it down <laughs> right right and, and but nobody when, you do, that. when you do the map on this stuff we are getting really that's one of the things that our customers get really torqued out around about is 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 speed and when you do the map at 20 30 and even 40 yards we're talking thousands of a second difference between a lot of these deliveries oh, when yeah. you're talking you know and you know not just anecdotal, but just even that we do a lot of testing here. Anytime you can get between, say, 250 and 270, even 275 feet per second, there's a real sweet spot there where you have still have good speed, but your arrow flight is significantly better, and you don't have to hyper-tune for that. When you start right. pushing, you know, pushing 300 feet per second, you, everything has to be just right. And so when you get that bow that the 18-year-old set up for you that didn't exactly know what he was doing, and uh, let's just say, you know, you're shooting an, an arrow at uh, 305 feet per second because he puts you in a 400 spine that's really light with a 100-grain point, you know, and then you can't figure out why the thing doesn't fly, you know. A lot of that could be helped by just putting a little bit more weight on there and getting that speed down. And, you know, people are, are very keen to, to notice when the speed comes down, right? Well, yeah. I might not be able to shoot out 95 yards on that mule deer. Chances are you shouldn't be doing that anyways if <laughs> you can't get your bow to tune and get it to shoot right without, uh, without having to throw a mechanical on the front. So, yeah, yeah, just looking at that, that speed. And so that's one of the things that, that our, uh, we have a Tyler inside here who is fantastic with with uh technical stuff he and i feel all the technical calls and we don't go for any like particular arrow weight we're looking more to try to get you in that 250 to 275 foot per second range because we know that that's where your best flight's going to happen and that may mean that your arrow might be 550 and it also may mean that your arrow may be 510 you know but we want to get you in that in that range, and it does depend a little bit. If you're going to be a, if you're an out west hunter, we have some lighter setups with with different arrows where it has a lighter GPI at the same spine, and they cost a little more, but we can get you that longer range uh, at that same speed. So you know, we're we're a whole lot more concerned with perfect arrow flight than we are with speed hang up or any of the rest, you know. Yeah, and, and what I've found over the many years I've been doing this is the faster the bow, the better your form has to be. Absolutely. And the it, more you better the, be shooting. Yeah. Uh, it, it just seems like the faster, the more it magnifies your errors. So, you know, like we was talking about earlier, you have a perfectly tuned bow. It'll put every shot, will put it in the same hole every time. 
you no matter what distance you're at. You right. put a human in there and you can't do it no more. <laughs> I've seen perfectly tuned bows have terrible tears and somebody else shoots and gets a perfect hole. It's like, that's right. what is it? It's your form. It's yeah. so important, you know, because if you don't know, and that's why when I had my store, you buy a bow, even the low end Nova bows at the time, you know, which had the two little round wheels and the steel cables, which are fastened string to, um, mm -hmm. you, it come with shooting instruction. I'm going to teach you how to shoot. For, for one, you're going to shoot better. You're going to enjoy the sport and you're going to upgrade to the higher end ones later. Uh, you know, if, you, if you're not having fun, you know, a lot of people, you know, we like to hit what we're aiming at. And that's why I always taught them how to do it. And, you know, that was, that was just one of the things that I did. Every bow come with shooting instruction. You know, I'm going to teach you how to shoot. Right. And, and shooting is like any other sport. This is a sport. And a sport requires practice. You know, you're not going to go out and drive a 300-yard uh, golf ball perfectly down the middle all the time unless you're putting a whole lot of time into it. And archery yeah. is the same way. You've got to get that form down. You do have to have good equipment. Um, but I'm sure that you or I could take uh, a bow from a big box store, you know, and, and put some time into it and have it shooting perfect out to 40 or 50 yards. It's, it's not that amount of money you have to spend on the equipment, but you do have to know how to tune it and you're going to have to spend some time with it for sure. Yeah. Well, my hunting bow is 22 years old. Yeah, right. 2001 PSE career. <laughs> That's what I hung <laughs> with. And then my next newer bow is only a couple of years uh, newer. Um, that's the one I use for, you know, targets and 3Ds because my hunting bow is set up for hunting only. And, uh, and then here a few years back when I was working at Cabela's, I just managed to get one of their returns. That's not a PSE, it's a bear. But uh, yeah. I don't even have it set up yet. I had to do some repairs on it because it was a return with problems. And so I fixed it all up. You know, being a bow tech for you know, many years, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, hey, I'll spend 150 bucks for $900 bare bow, you know, just plain bow. Right. Because <laughs> I know how to fix it. You know, as long right. as the limbs aren't, well, if the limbs are cracked, then you can get a hold of them and they can send you new limbs. Right. Uh, and, you know, right now I'm shooting the PSE Levitate, uh, which I have really enjoyed. They, they built one for me because we were filming a show over in uh, where we were supposed to do a uh, rhino hunt. I'm sorry, not rhino hunt. A uh, sorry, a uh, hippo hunt, and it wound up falling through. And we wound up doing a Cape Buffalo last year, anyways. But uh, I kind of fell in love with with that bow, and and then wound up subsequently getting another one that's not set at 85 pounds uh, for everyday normal shooting. And I I really do enjoy that. But you know, I think the first PSE that I fell in love with was the old PSE X Force. You remember when, when that oh, yeah. came out, that was their first speed bow. And that was one of the best bows I ever had. And then they came out the next year with the PSE X-Force Omen. And it subsequently turned into the worst bow I had ever had in my life. And, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, I've, I've not uh, particularly any one manufacturer. I've shot several of them and had good bows from, from a lot of them, but it's going to be really hard to break the levitate out of my hand right now. I don't, you know, I shot through their new line of their, their 2023 bows, and there's nothing going to make me give up the 2022 yet. So we'll see what yet. comes out next year, but yet. So. Yeah, I know. It's like the, the PSE Baby G. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. It was one of those either you loved it or you hated it. There was no, it's like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, right. 
Well, we were talking about form before, and one of the things that we see a lot of when guys are having difficulties in getting arrows to, to tune well is we have issues with um, um, them giving us pictures of their left and right. So as they're setting up their bow, we'll say, can you just put it through paper for us? And you'll see a bullet hole, then you'll see a big tear right, and then you'll see a big tear left. Well, those don't happen unless it's your form. Right. You'll see consistent right, consistent left, or consistent bullet hole, but we'll get them all over the board. And uh, so form is so important. And, and, you know, just repetition. And YouTube has some really, really good um, videos on, on proper form. And, you know, there's plenty of, I'm, I'm sure that on your Facebook page, if somebody took a picture of what their form looked like, you'd get tons of comments from guys wanting to help them out and say, Hey, you're doing, that looks great. Or, yeah. Hey, you, you know, it looks like your drawing's short or too long or, you know. Well, better yet, you know, take a video and upload the video to the, to the group. Uh, yeah. We do, we do that. You know, that's one of the things that you can do in the group is, you know, the Archstock 101 Facebook group, upload a video. You just can't put a YouTube video up there because like we don't allow links into the group, but take your video, upload the raw video. We'll look at it and uh, give you some critiques. You know, I become an archery instructor in 95 and I've taught a lot of people how to shoot. So um, yeah, that's the fun part. You know, when you get, especially when you get a student that is now out shooting what you can shoot. That That's right. the ultimate, ultimate student is one that, can shoot out shoot you when when you're you're out there shooting with them and especially as you get older it's harder to hold steady and see <laughs> I, I that's been the biggest issue as i've aged is is seeing the either you get clarity with your with your target or you get clarity with your pins but it's really difficult to get both yeah and, and the older you get the harder it is to do that you know the the, the young guys they can they can do that and um you know that's just something that's really uh you just work to it and shoot do what you want to do that's Have right fun. you, that's you know, right. i'm not going to take those 80 100 yard shots because you know for me i can't see well enough to see them that far you know i'm well and around here in nebraska i'm i, I live in eastern part of nebraska and we're not going to have more than about 40 yard shot anyway right you know, we may have some longer, but there's a lot of trees and stuff, especially when hunting forests. You'd be lucky to get a 20-yard shot in, you know, a lot of the forests. And so I don't need to take the long shots. And, you know, I do like to practice the longer ranges just because it makes your skill better up close. But yeah, it's uh yeah, it's 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 always fun helping people out how to shoot. And that's one of the things I do, you know, with the podcast here is you know, providing value to them. And one of the requirements to be on the podcast is, do you want to start archery? Are you shooting archery beginner or are you Olympic or you're pro archer? Or you have an archery related business? We're going to talk archery, you know, and, right. and I like to get the new ones on because like, hey, what are you looking for? Here's, here's a can help. You know, let's, let's get in here and talk about stuff. So, um, you know, that's, that's just all what, you know, what you do as well with your business you know, you're helping that person out. And, you know, I've seen a lot of, a lot of problems come through and it's not the equipment, it's the the person shooting them. And 
you know, that's just what's always a lot of fun. Right. I have really enjoyed seeing the number of questions we're getting now from female shooters. Where, you know, um, as everyone knows, the number of hunting licenses is going down every year. So we need to, if we're going to save our sport, we're really going to have to focus on all demographics and making it this inclusive for everybody and not making people feel dumb when they ask questions. And, you know, I, I, I'm in a few different Facebook groups where, you know, they just get downright nasty with each other. And I'm like, why, why are we tearing each other apart over a sport that we all love? It doesn't make any sense. You shoot what you want to shoot, shoot heavy, shoot light, shoot whatever. If you call in and ask our opinion on and try to, you know, help you get set up, you're, you'll get our opinion. But at the end of the day, if you decide to shoot something else, we're certainly not going to be mad at you. You know, you, right. you do what you like to do. And, and for your, your area, you know, like I think last year the stat was something, it's 17 point something yards was the average shot on whitetail deer. So most places in the country, it would be great to be able to, and I think people should work to be accurate at 60 and 70 and 80 yards because it makes right. that 15-yard shot, you know, look like you're shooting a basketball instead of trying to hit a dot. Um, and you're, you're just better off for doing it. But uh, the reality of it is that um, you need to be proficient to 40. Be proficient to 40. And, and, and you're going to be able to shoot just about anything in North America within 40. Yeah. Some animals are a little bit harder, like the uh, antelope, because it's hard to get close to them unless you set up on a watering hole or something. But I guess yeah. there is that, there's that exception because I, I have a, a very good friend who owns Land of Enchantment um, Outfitting. And Corey is a phenomenal outfitter. And he's one of the few out in uh, New Mexico and in an Arizona that will that will cater to the uh, bow hunter because it's hard. A lot of places won't uh, won't even right. take bow hunters. But his average shot last year was sixty two yards. Oh, on, <laughs> yeah. across all of his bow hunters. So you do have to be. If you're going to go for those, that's that's a whole different setup too. That's something you got to you yeah. call in and we we need to get you set up. And you're going to need to hyper tune because it's going to be a long shot. But the good news is you're you're shooting at something really small at a long distance. So that makes it even easier, right? <laughs> yeah well it makes you focus a little on a smaller target you know, that's right small miss small right that's right that's right so. <laughs> yeah that's a um so how would they get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you seriousarchery.com like serious like the satellite s-i-r-i-u-s archery.com or toughhead.com is another one uh that's that's on our um, that's our broadhead side. So either one of those will get you there. Uh, you can find the 800 number on there. Email. We're we're easy to get a hold of. We have Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and every other kind of thing an old guy like me doesn't know about. But uh, I do have young guys that do know it. So it works out all right. Yeah. What. What I can actually do for uh, those that get to watch it is I'll share my screen and I'll show your website or your Facebook page. Right here is your Facebook page. So I want to get a hold of you. Um, it's just Seth.Poston. And that is information here on your page. And then uh, let's go to uh, your website here. 
And that's like I said, this year is archery.com. And here's here's your, your website. Um, you can get help. There's a phone number to call over here on the right-hand side when you get there. Um, looks like your site has all kinds of stuff out here to so here's your tough head broadheads. Um, yeah, that'll take you right right to the tough head page. We have some some calculators that are uh, on the back on the other page that I, that we can go to and whenever you have time. Um, yeah, they're really good for. We spend a lot of money on the. If you go to spine and arrow calculators, uh, top bar, keep going right. Oh, there, there it is. <laughs> so if you want to figure out your FOC on your arrow, the center one there, that, that will calculate any arrow uh, that we produce. And if you, you can click right on that, and then it'll take you in. And then you can, you can mock up your arrow as many times as you want. Um, that's a really useful tool. We're figuring out because we do a lot of custom errors, probably 10,000 custom errors or more a year. And so one of the things you, you will need to know is the weight of what you want your final error to be. And then we're going to hit that within one grain or so. Then you just select your error and sign and put in your, your point weight. And, you know, if you're going to shoot a wrap, you're not going to shoot a wrap. You're shooting... Uh, It'll pre-populate like your knock weight, but if you're going to shoot a lighted knock, you can put your lighted knock weight in there, and then that'll it'll calculate your your arrow for you and your your weight, your FOC, and then there's a, a speed calculator that um, you can take that weight and put your bow specifics in there, and it'll tell you your kinetic energy, your momentum, and your uh, estimated overall speed. And that's accurate within, if your IBO is correct, that's accurate within two feet per second. So. That, that's pretty useful, useful tool there. Right? That, the, the FOC calculator is the most accurate FOC calculator on the market. And we, we spent uh, a little over 10,000 between two engineers and, um, in the group that that actually put the formula together, but that formula um, looked like something off of Goodwill Hunting on the chalkboard. It, you know, it's so long. And uh, but th there's one assumption that that has to be made in in every FOC calculator, and that's how far, how long your point is going to be. Some of them exclude the point, and when you exclude the point, you're not getting a true balance of your of your area. Right. So um, this one takes into account what we did is we took 20 of the most popular broadheads on the market and field points, measured them out and took the average distance. And that's, so it's, it's very, very accurate. And it's going to give you the ability to play around with your setup quickly. Say, okay, well, maybe I don't want that much point weight, or maybe I want more point weight. Right. And you can take it, take it right over to the, to the uh, speed calculator and figure out what speed you're going to be. So we utilize this a lot. Yeah, that, that looks like it's a really, really nice uh, form there for anybody that wants to know, um, you know, what it would be. And you have your different arrows in here, um, you know, the different models. So uh, 
I know prices are subject to change, change but uh, you're, you you had some low end ones with a one thousand straightness, which is you know better than most people are even thinking about shooting. What what kind of price range do you have for those for just shafts? Uh, for shafts and the components that come with them, so that the supernova is our is our line that's uh, a little bit more affordable, and the supernova comes in a two hundred four and a two forty six. So you have the supernova SD, which is your small diameter in the traditional supernova. Uh, the traditional supernova, I, I don't quote me on this, I think it's about $129 a dozen with, uh, with uh, inserts, um, with ethics inserts. And then the supernova SD comes with our patented half jacket system and that is our own system. And those are about 154 with components for a dozen. That's the bad. Let's you can take a look here. Here's some of the different arrows that you have. Right. So the Gemini, that that is the creme de la creme. Okay. It's also the most frustrating arrow that we that we have right now. That carbon that we utilize for that is uh, only utilized by us and a few other aerospace manufacturers, and it's pretty much generally just for uh, military applications. I know that uh, I think Bell Helicopter uses this for the Apache and for several other countries, attack helicopters that they use. So it's, it's very uh, strong, it's very, very light. Um, it's very, very expensive. And because of Ukraine, it's very, very hard to get a hold of right now. Right. So- No, I see a price center, is that, that's for a quantity, let's see, quantity of 12? Quantity okay. of 12, yep. That's going to be components and bare shafts. And that's, that's a very, like I said, it's a very expensive uh, proposition. But the difference on that is uh, on a, like a 250 spine, you've got a 9.06 um, GPI. So you've got a a very, very light GPI. So when you want to get um, a really high FOC, uh, a lot of this, a lot of the people that are going on hunts where they want to get a high FOC, say, right. get up into the 25 to 30% range for Africa or a moose hunt or something like that, or guys out West that uh, are wanting to have an arrow that they can have a really good FOC on still in the 18, 19, 20%, but they can still shoot 90 yards. So you can get really, really light with this arrow. That's, that's the lightest GPI that I know of on the market, but it's really strong. It still has a, a weave on the outside, still a carbon weave on the outside. So that ties the high and low side together really tight. So that's, that's uh, the top of the top right there. And then we, we have a, uh, our work horse is the Apollo Arrow. And the Apollo Arrow is a 204 as well. And it is uh, got a, a nice GPI. It's not as light as the Gemini, but in 250 spine is gonna run about 10.7, 10.6, 10.7. And it also comes with a half jacket system and the, yeah, see what a dozen of those is. 
Okay, well, so well, about less. yeah, about fifty dollars less a dozen on those. And that's basically just the cost of materials. It's yeah, it's the difference is the material. That's right. Then, you kind of get what you kind of get what you pay for, you know, when, when you're looking at arrows uh, and everything else. Yeah, I know uh, I've seen uh, groups improved by you know two and three inch tighter groups just by changing from you know like a three thousand to a one thousandth arrow, and yeah, that, you know for the high yeah. end shooter, you know we don't we don't consider anything less than a one, you know, just because. I need that accurate. I need the smallest group I can, because if I if I'm only grouping, say at whatever distance I'm grouping at a three inch, with the one thousands, and I go to a three thousands, now that might be six inch group, you know, an inch when you go on. If I'm shooting a seven, maybe I can only get a ten inch group, you know, and that's just the difference in arrows. And I've gone through and seen that, and I proved it several times. You know, somebody's shooting a a smaller diet, a smaller tolerance. You know, like a three or five thousandths, and it's like here, shoot these. You know, they haven't shoot my my uh, comp pros series. I use the PSC arrows, and amazing how much tighter their groups get. I'm like, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of that has to do too with with your um, fluctuations in your spine. So the the better carbon you're going to use that you're going to have less fluctuation in your spine from top to bottom uh, that that Apollo the Gemini and the Orion at 28 inches so if anybody doesn't understand how that's how it's done you have rollers set at 28 inches and you hang a weight in the center with a run out gauge that that measures uh, how much run out or how much bend is in the arrow in that 28 inches and it's that's how you get your spine. So 250 spine is going to be 250 thousandths or a quarter of an inch of bend. But as you as you turn that arrow, when you as you turn that around, that might be 250 thousandths to run out on one side, and then on your on your weak side it may be 262 thousandths. So you have a 12,000 variance. And as you get into less expensive carbons, you start getting those numbers start getting a lot bigger. When you look at a match grade or precision grade arrow, you want them to be, say, under 4,000 uh, run out between uh, each arrow. Most of our arrows are less than 2,000 run out between all arrows. So it has to do with the way that we lay the carbon, the way that Andy came up with the design in the very beginning. And it costs more for us to lay the carbon that way. It's, it's a very expensive process right. to lay, lay them in the different directions and then have the, the company that spends them for us be willing to do it. So there's, we're limited also to manufacturers that are willing just to spend the carbon. Right. So um, for those that don't know, um, can you explain why one side would be weaker than the other and what you should be? Is there something you should be looking for when you're setting up the arrows or? Actually, so, so why you get a high and low side is because there's a, there's a little bit of a gap. When, when you roll, it's called a wrap and roll process. So when they're rolled, the carbon, all the layers, they're like on that Apollo 250, there's seven layers of carbon, little tiny fine sheets of carbon that are laid in, in different directions. So that when it rolls up, 
you've got, uh, it's all rolled at one time on a mandrel to make sure it's 1000 straight. And when they roll that, there's just a little teeny tiny line of overlap. That's gonna be your high side because it's stiffer there. You've got more material right there than anywhere else in the arrow. So typically you'll get your, uh, your weak side will be 180 degrees out of phase from that. Not always, but what we do is that we identify where that high side is. Uh, that's a, an option with us. Uh, we'll identify that by hand. So there are some companies that'll put a sticker on there and they say it was done by laser. We've never found those to be more than 20% accurate. <laughs> so, um, so, and then if you have a, you know, a little bit lower grade carbon and now you don't have that, that high side mark, what happens is it launches off the rest a different way. So you want to have, we try to get everybody to keep that high side of the arrow on the, in a 12 o'clock position so that they're going to launch arrow one, arrow 10, arrow 12, all launch the same off of your rest. When they launch the same, that's where you get a lot of the, the perceived accuracy. You may have been just as accurate. Your hand may have changed, your form may not. You may have been perfect on three shots, but your arrows had the spine in three different positions. And when you do that, what happens is they're going to launch differently. And then it takes longer to recover. So it's a recovery thing as well. They'll recover faster out of the bow when they're coming out with the high side up. Now, how would we go about finding that high side, you know, without having fancy equipment kids or where you can look at them and find it? No, there's guys that swear they can and they, they you can't. You, you, and people used to put bubbles in the bathtub. I even tried that. It worked pretty good with aluminum arrows, um, but it, it never seemed to work. I've never been able to get it to work with carbon where you put enough bubbles in the in the water and make a bubble bath and put them in there. And then the, then the high side floats to the top or low side. I can't remember which one it was. And it doesn't really matter if you mark your high or your low, as long as you keep them consistent. So they right. launch the same, you know? But one thing that um, it eliminates by, by uh, finding that, I'm gonna say eliminates, eliminates by probably 90 plus percent is nocturning. So when guys are nocturning, um, and I'm sure that a lot of your people are familiar with, well, I bought a dozen arrows, and I got nine of them are flying great, and three of them I can't get the fly right. Well, a lot of that is just the fact that you're probably uh, got three that have a high and low side that maybe just are a little bit different than the others. But if you turn right. that knock about 60 degrees, or you know, you'll you'll you know from go from noon to, to two to four to six and Go around, you'll find that it'll it'll pull it back in with the rest of the group eventually, you know. But having them identified, we we mark them. We use a spine tester, and we mark them by hand, so you know that somebody went through that. And, and you know, and, and with ours, it's difficult because as we're spinning it, you can get a thousandth or two off just with your fingers, you know. Um, and that's all that we have. Uh, that's all the variance we have is at 2000 and you can do that, you know, by just putting a little bit too much pressure with your fingers. So it takes a while for us to, to get that, but then once we've got it, then we mark it with a silver uh, paint Sharpie so that you have it um, 
when you go to fletch your arrows, and if you fletch a three fletch, we typically say put your cock vein on that line. And if you're doing a four fletch, just split two of them, you know. Yeah. And that way you don't have any cable interference. So if you was doing, you don't want the um, the stiff side up, and you're doing uh, three fletch with the cock feather down, then you'd go 180 off of that. Um, put your your cock feather on 180 off of that, right. so that it puts right. it up. That's exactly you know, right. A whole lot more to tuning arrows that I I just never really paid much attention to because shooting it at 20 to yards or less, it doesn't make any difference. Doesn't make any difference. <laughs> now the the caveat to that is the traditional bow hunter. He's going right. to want to take that strong side, and he's going to want that 90 degrees away from his riser. Sorry, I'm sorry, 180 degrees out from his riser. So you you would want to put it 90 degrees. They're like the nine o'clock position if you're yeah. right-handed. That way he can bend around his riser if he needs to, especially if it's not center cut. But other than yeah. that, typically 12 o'clock position is is best. And um, yeah, it's just one of those tips that'll save you time in the knock tuning process, but also will uh, bring your groups in, make them tighter. Yeah, I, I remember one time when I was shooting aluminums back before carbons, and I took all my arrows and I fletched them, had to knock on them, weighed them, wrote the weight on there. And then I took all my, because I'd buy, when I had that store, I'd buy 100 bag of like, points. And a 100 grain tip can vary anywhere from like 95 to 105. You can have variations in a bag. So I went and found a bunch of them. I had the total weight of the arrow and the total weight of the tips, and I balanced them all out. And then I was filing the insert to get every, I got a whole dozen within a half a grain total arrow weight. Yeah. Lots of work. I did it once. It wasn't worth <laughs> it doing it again because the next year you have to do it again because every year I get a new dozen arrows, you know, because right. shooting aluminum, you know, as you know, and some of the, some people in the audience may know, but how do you how do you break a piece of aluminum? You keep flexing it, and eventually, you know, even a thick piece. If you can flex it enough, it'll eventually break. And you know, okay. the spine on aluminum arrow is, you know, I get the double X seventy eight, which is a um, one point five thousandths straightness, mm -hmm. which is the best I could get for car, uh, aluminum at the time. Then carbon cobalt is better than that. But um, you know. The only time it's that straightness is until you shoot it the first time. Right. Every time you shoot it, it gets less and less and less. And I'd take, you know, I'd be, um, you know, grouping arrows, you know, in, in the X, no problem. New arrows. By the time I got my new arrows, I'd be lucky to keep them in the, in the white on the five spot. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, that's how much more they got off. You know, they bend and, you know. I was shooting single spots and I'm constantly smacking the knocks and breaking those. And I use the bullet point. So it's, it's real hard to get Robin hoods with them because if right. you're off just a fraction, <clears throat> they just destroy the knock and, and the unibushing and, and go, but I've gotten a few of them with them. You know, yeah. I, I, I quit shooting single spots because I got tired of wrecking arrows. <laughs> well, and you know, that, that brings us to a good point on when we're talking about spine and being in the correct spot. If you um, are shooting 70, uh, probably our, our, our hunter that calls in with most of the questions is between 65 and 70 pounds, 
more towards the 70 pound range. And he's usually 28 and a half as the average um, draw length. That guy, if he's going to be shooting, you know, a uh, hundred grain insert, which is typical for us and a hundred grain point, he's in a 250 spine. And we chronically see guys that are shooting 350s and 400 spines in that. And then they, they wonder why they can't uh, group their air as well, or they, they're frustrated and they know they're putting the time in and it's just not paying dividends for them. They didn't, they didn't realize that they were in the wrong spine and they get in the right spine and they call us back and like, this is so much better than anything I've ever had. Why are your arrows so, you know, why do they shoot so well? I'm thinking, they do shoot well, but it's because you were in the wrong spot before the other one would have shot pretty good <laughs> yeah. too, you know? Yeah. And so, so knowing, uh, knowing what spine you need to be in, if you have questions, you can always call us, but you need to be in the right spine. And if you're a little over spine, that's typically not any real big deal. Uh, but being under spine is, um, you know, sometimes it's like shooting one of those pool noodles down range, you know, it, you, right. It, It'll eventually recover, but lots of times it's too late. I mean, slow motion video has showed that some arrows take almost 20 yards to recover. The veins will eventually take over. Right. As long as you're not shooting a fixed blade head that's really big or something, but the veins will eventually take over and you'll get, you'll get straight flight. And that's great um, unless your deer happens to be seven yards under your stand. Right. <laughs> and you've got 20 yards of recovery. So being in the right spine and then having the right amount of vein on the back to um, to straighten your arrow up because they are all going to flex as they leave and they right. all have to recover. But a lot of guys will see the um, guys that like to shoot a lot of 3D. They'll have these little 1.75 inch veins that are only a quarter inch tall. It looks like something that you know, come out of an Olympic type thing. And, you know, then they're going to throw a, a Montec three blade on front. It isn't going to work, you know? <laughs> so we're, we're, we're all about getting those guys uh, with the setup and there's a lot to it, but do you have the right amount of vein? Are you at the right spine? Is it the correct length for you that you're not going to touch your fingers off? You know, there's, there's a lot to getting your setup right. And, but once you do, is there a better sport than this? I don't think so. I don't think so. I haven't it's found fun. You can, you can shoot it anywhere. You know, I can yeah. go in my backyard and shoot my bow. I can't go in the backyard and shoot my gun. Right. Exactly. I have to you go. Know. I have to go about half mile away to go shoot it. But you know, there's <laughs> I'm, I'm out in the middle of nowhere. There's there's farms all over the place. So you know, there's places in. Um, you know, I hear gunshots from my house quite often, and my concern is: Are you leaving the brass on the ground? Can I have it? <laughs> right exactly you know, and, you know and, and, and it's a sport that you can do with your kids you can do it with your wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever i mean it's it's something for the entire family that they can get into and it is an initial upfront cost but it's not one where you know you're you have to pay to go to tournaments all the time if you don't want to you can have fun in your backyard and you, you you know hunting can get a little expensive we all know that but right the the, the, the sport of archery and, you know, when you figure out all the cost of all the other sports you play is is relatively affordable for an entire family. Right, because you don't have to get anything real expensive. 
you know, you no. can get an inexpensive recurve and, and go with there. Or, you know, now they have compound bows that adjust from, you know, pretty small kid up to adult. Um, you just change settings on it and go. You know, when I started, well, I started in the 60s. So uh, there was recurve and longbows and wood or fiberglass and wood arrows. So there wasn't right. a lot of options, but they, they didn't cost a lot. But, you know, relatively, they were fairly expensive. And, but it's it, it's one of those sports, like you said, that is just so, so easy to do. And, uh, you know, you can start shooting your bow. Three-year-olds can start shooting. That's right. I, and I we... know my, my son, you know, my youngest son, when he was five in Cub Scouts, uh, he was shooting all the time. In fact, when he went up to the uh, a scout camp, he he knew the knock point was off on his bow and told the, the range instructors like, hey, knock point's off on this bow. You know, this is, this, you know, five, six year old kid. Tell him there's something wrong with your bow. <laughs> That's right. And there's in this sport, they, as, as, as your kid starts getting older, you can get them into tournaments and they're not that expensive. There's there's options you know, all the way up to the Olympics for shooters. And right. it's not something you have to give up when you when you get older. You might drop your poundage down a little bit. Your shoulders start to hurt and, you know, this, that, and the other. And But, uh, you know, we have guys that, that are shooting 40-pound uh, bows now. You know, a guy talked to two weeks ago, 83, shooting a 40-pound bow now, but we set him, him up in there. He's going to go out and deer hunt with, you know. So it, it it is not one of the things you have to spend a ton of money on the equipment, but there's a few things that you you know just absolutely cannot skimp on. You can't skimp on your carbon. Obviously, that's self-serving, no. right? But that the, the truth is, you can't skimp on your carbon. If you're gonna if you're gonna buy a bow, you can get a great bow for five hundred bucks new. Right. You're not gonna get top of the line flagship. But you're no, going to get a, a usable would, good bow. Yeah, I'd rather see him buy the low end bow, but buy a good quality release. Spend good quality release. Eighty to hundred, two hundred dollars on a release because you know that's the point that you're going to cause a lot of problems. You know, I don't know if you use a, a wrist strap, but you know, I got a handheld as well as a wrist strap, and the wrist strap people always fasten it on wrong. They fasten it on their hand, so it pulls the hand away. You might be acting that further joint. And getting it back into here. If you feel the trigger move, what do you think about feeling the trigger, feel the move? So now what are you not doing? You can't aim and think about the finger or the trigger. So if you're That's thinking right. about your finger, pulling the trigger or feel it moving, what did you stop doing? You stopped aiming. What are you going to hit? Don't know because you're not aiming anymore. That's right. So spend the money and get a good quality release. You know, yep. buy the $500 setup and spend $200 on a release. That's you know, right. hundred dollars on a release. Don't buy the cheap releases because they are edges. They're 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 not going to do you any good. And in your right. arrows, like you said, you know the you can take a low end. Well, if you could find a PSE Nova, you're going to build drill holes with it all day long. But you need a okay. good quality release. You need good arrows, and you need good form. That's Both right. Matter. It just That's makes right. it easier. <laughs> and I and I will say a plug for the broadhead. You don't have to spend a ton of money. You don't have to buy tough heads. Tough heads are are in that top end tier. With you know, we use S7 tool steel in our broadheads. They're they're a high end. Now they come with a lifetime warranty, and 
if you ever were to tear one up, you know, we send you a new one. Um, but Magnus makes, you know, a, a broadhead that's a very nice, affordable broadhead that isn't going to collapse on you when you hit a shoulder bone. You know, so yeah. there's affordable options out there that, uh, but you do have to do a little bit of research and find one that's going to, going to stand up uh, to a shoulder bone or a shoulder blade or, you know, a femur if you accidentally hit one. Um, but, you know, release, you're exactly correct on that. You don't have to spend a ton of money on a site, but get a mid-range site. You don't want, I'm, I'm kind of against the true glow that come with almost every one of the uh, packages because the, I swear they say they're a point, uh, what is it, point one nine size, but the thing is when you get out in the sunlight, it looks like it's about a 30,000 or 40,000. It's so big. Uh, it's yeah. been a mid-range on that. Really good release. Great carbon and a good quality broadhead. Save your money on the bow. Yeah, I know uh, my first uh, real good wrist strap was a Scott. I bought used uh, in 95. I still have it. I still use it. Uh, when I'm demonstrating how to use a wrist strap, I still use it. Uh, I have a Carter chocolate addiction that I use for my handheld. That's what I hunt with. But in my backpack I carry, I have that chocolate addiction that I hunt with. I have my Scott release it in there because it has a little hook. I can hook it up without looking at it. That's my backup. And then when I had my shop, um, was it uh, Truefire had a release that was similar to, you know, the handheld ones. Um, and, you know, half to third the cost. And they sent me one to try out. It was like, and that's my other backup in 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 my bag. So I carry three releases with me yeah. when I go hunting. And I can tell the difference between this. At that time, it was like a $75 release as opposed to a $150 release. Um, you know, that was my wholesale prices for them uh, back then. And I can tell the difference because you can feel a little bit of movement. It's not near as sharp. Um, I have my handheld set up where it's the hardest spring that they make to put in it because I don't want it. I, there's no movement, you know, or there's such a small movement that I can't really tell. And, you know, you put, have to put quite a bit of pressure on it before I start pulling. And, you know, my son has a, a different Carter that's lighter spring. And as soon as I go in, that thing goes up. I can't shoot because it's too light. You know, I like, I don't like a real sensitive trigger on my, archery equipment now my rifles yeah a little different story there um you know i, I shot a rifle team in high school and we had to have at least a one pound trigger and they would go to right. matches they'd put a one pound weight on it and they would have to it'd have to hold that one pound weight or you had to adjust it up you couldn't have less than one pound trigger pull yeah, yeah. now most of your rifles are going to have three or better but uh, some of them are even more now but you know, that's that's different. So a lot, of, a lot of the firearm shooters to start archery, do that, slam on that trigger, and you can't do that with archery. You know, yeah, I, so that I, I've gone back and forth. I tell you, that's been one of the, you know, it, one of the things in my archery career that I've just never been settled. I've <laughs> gone from thumb to index, to thumb to index, to thumb to index. And um, now I've settled... The, about the last year and a half or so, I've gone to the Stan Index release. I really like that extinction too that they have. And one of the things you'll get on a little better quality um, 
releases adjustability, whereas you, you won't right. get that on some of the others, the low end. But I've got this one set up so that uh, it is pretty light, but uh, I can pull back with my with my finger, you know, kind of behind it so that I'm not anywhere near it when I'm pulling right. back. I can pull back and then I can set it up there and just use my back, just almost like a back tension release to pull through the shot when, you know, and, and I don't know, next year you talk to me, I might be back to a <laughs> thumb release. I don't know. But it just seems like I've gotten so much more accurate at longer distance. My, my, my close distance, uh, up close distance, I don't, don't know that I really noticed much of a difference one to the other, but as I got into those, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90 yard shots where I had to use a lot of concentration on both form on my um, bow arm, but also with my relief and breathing and, and all that. It just, uh, for whatever reason, I'm more accurate with the index, but everybody's different, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and, you know, some, some think that, you know, because you have, you have to shoot them differently between, you know, the index and the thumb, uh, which I don't use a thumb. The thumb isn't the proper way to use those anyway. Right. Because right. you have less dexterity in your thumb, you do your index finger. So you're going something that's less dexterous and it didn't work. So I put it back in the seam between the index finger and there. And I don't, I put my thumb against it, put pressure on it. Now on mine, if I want to fire it, I can just tighten on my fist, it'll fire it. But I I don't do that because I go back and I come back. And now the difference between the two, I can switch between the two. Actually, no difference in the way it shoots. Everything's exactly the same. The only difference is with the handheld, I come back and I'm back here by my, again, with the headphones, I can't do it, but my knuckle is right in that pocket behind my ear with the index. But the, the handheld, no, my hand has to turn over. So it's a different spot. But because I have a kisser button, a peep, uh, my touch my nose and the the peep, those three points touch. Doesn't matter what my hand does back here. You know, it can be here. It can be you know, sitting flat. It can sit in the horizontal, whatever. But it still engages those back muscles. That I can engage them the same way. So it all fires the same, no matter which release I'm using. And you know, that that I like because I I don't have to worry about which release I have because nothing changes. Yeah, and and when you own an archery company, one of the things that you don't get to do is go and shoot tournaments and things like that anymore. So we've, uh, with Sirius TV, we, we travel pretty extensively hunting now. And so that that's taken the place of a lot of the tournaments. And I do think it's a little bit easier to hunt with a um, index release. Although it's easy if you've got a clip on release with a, uh, for a thumb button, that, that certainly makes it easy too. But I fidget with things all the time, and I'm constantly moving. And next thing I know, I've dropped the thumb release, climb down out of the stand, pick it up, and about an hour later, I drop it again. So it was just easier to have something strapped in my wrist, right? And, uh, you know. But uh, but no, every everybody's got their own different style, and that's another thing I like about this sport. And you know, nobody has to do the same thing the exact same way. Yeah. Well, the only thing we have in common is we store energy in a bow and aim. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, whether it's a crossbow, you pull the string, you start energy and you have to aim. And, That's right. You know, whether it's longbow recurve, doesn't matter that you're doing the same thing. And 
uh, you know, like I like to say, you know, I define archery as a stick with a string flinging another stick. <laughs> That's right. And, and you know, crossbow, longbow, recurve bow, uh, some weird design bow that some of these countries have used. They're they've got some weird shapes to them. It's still a string flicking a stick with a string flinging another stick. And and that's uh, that's what's always really nice about uh, um, you know archery. It's it's all archery, and it's been around for sixty four thousand years, and I don't see it leaving anytime soon. No, you're just storing potential energy and then releasing it and making it uh, turning into actual work. And but that's one of the things that we talk about with with our arrows and why it's so important not just being the right setup make sure that you have the right flight characteristics built into your arrow. Because once that arrow leaves that string, you are no longer in control of anything. No. It's up, it's up to the animal and how that, how that arrow performs. And so since there's another factor in there, which is that animal, which can move, which can, you know, um, or maybe you just didn't have the best form on that shot or whatever. Uh, you need to put the odds in your favor by having the right arrow in there. And I'm not saying a serious arrow. I'm saying have the proper arrow with the right flight characteristics. And when we talked about our speed before, you've got an arrow that you're flinging 300 feet per second, and you're really good with it. And that is fantastic because your your form's great every time. And you know you you, you twirl the arrows, it comes up out of your quiver just right, and it looks so cool. And, you get there and you, you shoot, right? And that's great on flat ground at 20, 30, even 100 yards. But when you've got that buck of a lifetime, you've got that 170 in front of you and you're having to turn your body around a tree to make that shot, you better have a forgiving arrow on there. Right. Because that form's not going to be the same, I promise you. I promise you, it's not the same at... Uh, uh, up in that tree stand at 10 yards than it is at 100 yards on flat ground. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we've had many conversations about shooting up and downhill and and, <laughs> and the, the problems coming into that and just something we have to do. And it's it's nice that we have uh, uh, a lot of information out here that we can lean on. And, you know, it looks like, uh, you know, you have with your serious archery is a lot of good information that you can learn from and you know just just go from there and yeah and i know you was talking about you know broadheads uh i've been shooting muzzy broadheads for decades and you know they're saying it's bad to the bone yeah i've shattered some bones with it and it just goes through there in fact and one day I show how tough they were i was at, and i had my store i was shooting after i closed the store just i had a broadhead target i was shooting and I don't know, something went wrong, and I stuck that broadhead in a concrete block wall. I'm still using the broadhead. Yeah. Now the arrow got cut down, and the insert got cracked in half, but it didn't hurt the broadhead. It was stuck. The shaft was laying on the ground, but the broadhead was still stuck in a concrete block. <laughs> yeah, and and it every time we do some sort of testing with an arrow, and we just put a, something out on Facebook, we. We get guys saying, well, we're not shooting concrete walls. I get it. But when when I can bounce one of our broadheads off the wall or stick it in the wall, take it out and bring it back in and sharpen it, 
you know, if that's a 180 buck or a Cape Buffalo, whatever that hunt of your lifetime is for you and that, and that animal standing directly in front of you, you'll know that that testing was done into a block wall. You know, right. it was done. And so, you know, these guys that, that uh, are constantly, we, we did a little video just for fun. We um, had a 17 gauge piece of steel. And if you ever watch John Luff, he does some really good reviews on arrows. And he does a five or three or five shot test in the 22 gauge, which is a lot thinner. And we had a, it was a divider from like a stack on gun case that one of our guys wasn't using. And we shot it 101 times with the same arrow and the same broadhead. And you wouldn't believe the amount of just snarky feedback that we got about <laughs> shooting it. Why would you ever shoot something 101 times? And yeah, that was my favorite one. Why would you shoot 101 times? And I had to reply back. Because a hundred just seems ridiculous. Why would you only do it a hundred times? Well, we did a hundred more. You know, it, it, anyways, but, you know, if you've got a good quality company, they're putting that stuff through the paces. And that way you can go out and know a hundred percent when you let that arrow fly, that you did everything you could to put the odds in your favor, then it's up to the arrow flight and the animal. Well, and then, nice thing about that is okay you're shooting let's say you're out on on an elk hunt you know a little bit bigger a little bit tougher or ribs and you hit a rib and you destroy your broadhead on the rib yeah are you going to get the animal no are you going to kill good the animal now no good chance no because it bounced off the rib now you take you know like one of your broadheads or any of them that has been tested against you know, you know concrete blocks or you know have that good point on them yeah. Now, granted, you know, like the Buzzies I shoot, it's not a super sharp point, but the broadheads are. But you know what? That mm -hmm. point is designed to go through and bust through whatever you happen to have. You know, like yours, you're, you're tough. You need to bust through that. And so, so you bust through it and the tip dulls a little bit. But the rest of the blade is still fine. It's just cutting like it should, you know. So, mm -hmm. you know, the, the tip doesn't make as much difference if you have enough power to go in, um, you know, the, the cut on contact ones are nice because they start slicing right away. But if you hit a bone, some of those, depending on the design, are, are going to dull and bend. Mm -hmm. I, I shot and that's a, why, And that's why we have a Tanto tip on all of our broadheads. And that gives you, one, it does a couple of things on off uh, angle shots. What it does is helps to, to penetrate in and grab skin and muscle early so that you don't have deflection. It, it cuts down on deflection. But the other thing that Tanto tip does is it, it starts making a, a much bigger hole for the rest of the broadhead to slide through. And to your point, um, I, I'm sure a lot of you guys watch Meteor, but Giannis Patella shoots our arrows and our broadheads. And he had two different inst instances. Uh, one last year he shot a nail guy, and I think that video just went up not long ago. And it was a little bit back a quarter away. And it ran 42 inches through that nail guy through a stomach full of grass. And because they did the, the, the necropsy on YouTube and he killed that animal. But then the big one was this, this past year, he had an elk. And I don't know, I didn't get the full story on what happened, but it kind of went in the rear ham and ran all the way through that elk and came out the neck. And that's oh, because geez. he he uses ultra ultra sharp 
uh, Evolution Series broadheads, and he has the right weight on his arrow. It, you, you're not going to do that with a 400 grain arrow, not through an elk. I don't care what you're shooting at. I don't care how many feet per second you're shooting it at. Um, it, so having that extra oomph when that when that issue happens, because I'm sure he didn't mean to shoot where it did. It turned or something, either in a shot or, you know, was, I know it's getting towards dark. I'm not sure exactly how it happened. But I'm sure nobody in, intends to shoot through the ham and come out the neck. Right. Um, but when that, when that happened, you want to make sure you're, whatever you got up there is going gonna, is gonna to punch through and get the job done. Um, that only comes from ultra, ultra sharp broadheads that, that penetrate well. And, you know, I, uh, Dr. Ashby has done um, quite a few cool studies, obviously. A lot of people either like his stuff or you hate it one way or the other. But we <laughs> tend to believe that it is accurate. And until somebody else does 3,000 confirmed kills with that much data, uh, to prove him wrong, we're going to continue to follow it. But yeah, would. yeah, he does some some testing where you take a two inch wide mechanical and try to push it through the height of a deer, and it's up to fifty two foot pounds of kinetic energy to push a two inch wide rage type broadhead through um, through just the hide. So a lot of guys that are shooting a sixty pound bow at a 28 inch draw, they're barely getting enough 60 foot pounds of kinetic energy to start. So where do you go from there once you, if it takes 52 pounds to open up and get through the skin, where do you go if you hit one rib? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I've, so, I've seen that a few times where, you know, the mechanicals open up, big a hole, but very little penetration. Yeah. You know, and, you know, is, is that going to kill the animal? Maybe, maybe not. You know, yeah. that's why I think that the lower pounding ones you need to stay with with fixed blades. Um, you know, they're, they're a little harder to to get tuned. I, I know I, I shoot four inch feathers on, on all my arrows um, just because I'm old and that's what I got old used school. to and I like them. <laughs> <clears throat> well, and but, you look at the, the you're exactly right. If you're in a lower poundage, uh, we like everybody shooting fixed blades when you can. Um, but even with guys shooting, it, mechanicals have killed a lot of animals, right? Where we, right. We, can't deny, we can't deny that they have killed a lot of animals. But when you're going out there and you're spending this much time and effort and money on your sport, you know, it, you've got, again, 160, 170, 180 inch buck walking in front of you. And you accidentally hit that shoulder blade, you wouldn't believe the number of calls we get in September and October here saying, I'm I'm done with this setup. I hit the biggest buck of my life and it didn't even go in three inches because they hit the shoulder blade. And right. they sucked up all their energy just trying to get through skin and now they hit a hard bone and and they're done. So that's a, that's a lot of calls we get in in late late September and early October. Yeah, I know I, I end, up, end up going through the shoulder blade quite a bit, but shooting the muzzies that they don't care about the shoulder blade. And except that one little spot on the shoulder blade that, that's like cast, uh, you know, like steel. <laughs> there's one yeah. spot on there when you hit that. I don't think there's much going to go through that just because it's, it's, there's that one spot that's really tough. And if you get up into that, 
if it I've sun, you know, with my broadheads right through, no problem with yeah. that shoulder blade, you know, the, the blade part of it, not the big meaty, uh, the bony part. Um, I've, I've hit bones and shattered bones and still pass through. And, you know, that's, that's, you know, have a good broadhead that can do that is, is real important because now I don't have to worry about, am I going to hit a bone and destroy the broadhead? I know one time I, I shot a buck that had a kind of weird rack on it. You know, one was somewhat normal. The other one just kind of was weird. And when I was cleaning it, I was taking the back straps out and I hear this clunk. One of those broadhead, one of those blades on some of the cheap ones don't stay in real well. And it was stuck in right there by the, the spine. Deer healed up just fine. It just had a weird rack on it. Uh, yeah. But here the broadhead fell apart inside the deer. Yeah. And, and it's like, no, I don't want, because you can see those, some of them, they're just not very good at all. And, and yeah, spend the money on good broadheads. If you can, if you can, if you can flex the blade on it, it's too, it's too weak to, to hold up any kind of heavy bone impact. Yeah. So it, when you, uh, when you look at your, your blade, look at the width to what the cut everybody likes these wide cuts because oh they're they're so easy to throw the blood yeah they are until the blood runs out and that's that's what right. happens with a lot of them because when when you when you put a three inch gash in a deer you know but it only goes two or three inches deep and you didn't get any, any fire it's going to bleed for you know that 100 200 yards and then disappears it's gone so yeah, it coagulates up and it's it's not, you know, like you cut your finger, you, you know, you, you hold it, if it's not a bad cut, you hold it for a little bit and, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, it's like, oh, okay, as long as you don't flex your finger, it's it's good to go. <laughs> and exactly. that's the, the same thing. And that's the thing, uh, the broadheads need to be razor sharp because, you know, anybody that's cut themselves shaven, it bleeds and bleeds and bleeds. And you cut yourself with a dull knife, you just hold it and, and, and go. But them razor cuts, that's why it's so important to have razor sharp broadheads. You have to. And the just the whole clotting factor, there's a whole science that goes in just into, into that and why you want to have a razor sharp uh, broadhead. And, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that you're, if you have a dull broadhead, the veins are like rubber bands. That, that's right. what you, you know, they'll just roll right over the blade. When you have a sharp broadhead, you're cutting many, many more of those little capillaries and veins, arteries as, as you go through. So it's super important that you keep them sharp no matter what you're shooting. Right. Yeah, a dull broadhead just doesn't do much good. You, it, it doesn't penetrate very well. It doesn't cut. Mm -hmm. There's not much bleeding. Um, you know, you don't have to have a big mechanical good, good, good blood trail. Uh, I remember one time I was out, it was snow covered. And I shot this uh, this doe, and I'm tracking it. I heard it run, so it wasn't, didn't run very far, and I heard it pile up. So I kind of had an idea where it was at. And I'm following the footprints. The blood trail is about three or four feet off to the side. It was, and and that was just you know fixed blade broadhead. You know it, the yeah. the muzzies are like what one and an eighth or one and a, uh, I think one and an eighth inch cut diameter, something mm -hmm. like that. They're not very big, but you hit the right spot, you don't have a problem. And that's with our single bevels, 
the the penetration on a single bevel is is because we sell three blades as well. Penetration is superior on heavy bone anything with with a uh, single bevel, but the the downside is guys complain that they don't bleed very well, especially if right. it's really sharp. You know, because it's like in the you you cut your uh, finger on a paper cut, and you go, oh man, did I cut myself? And you look at it, you squeeze it, and you go, oh, that gone it, I did. You know, and yeah. and you're like, oh, I did kind of. Um, so we did uh, design our version 2.0 that all we sell now, and it does have bleeder. And what it does is it cuts a, a little avulsion. So if you've ever torn the the end of your finger like that, you've taken a hunk of skin off. That dude bleeds for a, for a good long time. But when you just paper cut it, you gotta kind of squeeze it to see if it if it's cut. So we. Um, yeah, there's a blood range. You'll see them there. Yeah, for for those listening, I just shared uh, uh, the Tough Head uh, website, and for those watching, you get to see it. But you said here's the the 2.0 that you sell most of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And those the the little blood rings on there. You'll see probably in that first picture. Those are optional. Because so some guys don't. They only want to shoot a single bevel. They don't want any bleeders on them. And some of our competitors, they have like a fixed uh, built-in bleeder, and so you, you can't remove them. So we designed these oh, so yeah. that you can so that you can remove those, those bleeders. And what that does is it cuts a triangle at the top and bottom of the split that doesn't allow it to uh, the blood to coagulate and stop bleeding. So if you put yeah. it through there, it's gonna it's gonna stay open. Are are these sharp as well? Then they are. They're sharp. They're not going to be as sharp as your main blade. They're okay. going to have a, they're still going to have a burr edge to them, but that's a little bit better. We, we can hand hone them for you if you want. But what we have found is that that actually grabs lung tissue as it goes through. So you've got your two blades that are sharp that slicing through it and, and the bleeders are designed to grab, grab some tissue yeah. and take along with it. Yeah, we want that to we want that to have a little bit more of a burr edge so that it's grabbing as it's going through and it's gonna be ripping on the other side a little bit more of an apology so that it's gonna bleed better for you. Yeah, I don't only buy them in groups of six. So that's you got 125, 150, and 200 grains. That's right. And very shortly we'll we'll by the time this comes out, probably we'll have a uh, one hundred as well yeah. so we 100 is what i shoot mm -hmm. and then it's s7 tool steel as well so it's going to look just exactly the same profile inch and three sixteenths wide it's just going to have uh cutouts instead of um having dished out so and then the, but we worked on that that took us quite a while too because we had to go back and forth on design we wanted to make sure uh, what we call quiet vent uh, that they were no louder than shooting a, a regular broadhead, and oh, you can yeah. do it, but you have to you have to bevel the way that you do the um, the vent holes, and so that was a and by doing that, then you have to make sure the flight characteristics out to a hundred were the same. So it's just it's a process. <laughs> everything's a process. Everything's R and D. Yeah, everything's, yeah, everything's... Just, more, just just more money. Send more money. Well, and you know they're not cheap, but I know when I was getting my muzzies, they were like thirty six dollars a half a dozen, and I don't know what they are now because I haven't looked because I got enough right now. But you know, when when you're spending 
half of that for a good set of broadheads. Why not spend a little bit more because, um, you know, they work pretty good. Now, how are they uh, to tune, you know, with being the, the two blade like that? And that's that's the big thing with the the, the tuning is um, the, the easiest way to do it is we just tell people stand as close as you can to your to a paper tuner and you don't have to go and make a fancy paper tuner just simply cut out the bottom of one of your um, Amazon boxes and tape a piece of computer paper to it just printer paper and shoot through it but put lipstick on the leading edge of your vein and shoot through it and, and aim to get the the broadhead um, directly in the center of your vein, just like you were going to do a, a field point. Right. And because and, and you want to be as close to the paper as you can without the arrow still being on the string and touching the paper. That's for most guys, that's about one yard or less. But what we don't want is we don't want the veins to have any effect on flight yet. So you don't want a lot of error on the veins. You want to do this up very close. Because what we're looking at is to get that pure power stroke coming out of that bow. We want to know when that thing is absolutely flying pure straight out of the bow. Does that make sense? Yeah. So... So if you can if you can get that uh, like on a on a three blade it's it's pretty easy it looks a lot more like the like the bullet hole you would get at your shop when you're just trying to to get something tuned up but we get the the broadhead right in the middle of your veins we call that lipstick tuning um, once you've got that you can go outside and set your your pins because you can't get more pure than coming right out of your bow uh, at one yard. So if that's correct, everything's perfect on that, just go set your pins. So easy. Where guys get hung up, guys get hung up because they want their field points and their broadheads to hit at the exact same point. And they are two different tunes. And we could get in we could get into the weeds about oscillation and launching and everything else is but just keep in mind they're two different tunes now at 20 yards they're going to probably be pretty darn close but a two blade on the front like say the the single bevels we just took out in the evolution they actually will create a little bit of lift you know they're they're going to have a little bit of height right so if you go to 50 yards and try to make your field points and your broadhead hit together you're going to be taking one of those two out of two, so either your broadhead tune, your field point tune, but you, you're not going to have um, them hit together at 50 yards if your broadhead's in perfect tune. Just because they do not have the same flight characteristics between um, a, a field point and a broadhead. Broadhead's going to create a little bit of its own lift. Now, a three blade will have more drag. Okay? So you're, you, you would expect that your you're gonna have a little bit lower uh, point of impact when you're with your three blade because it's got more drag. Right. Whereas the two blade's gonna create lift. So, for example, when my when I'm tuned to the 200 grain evolution at 50 yards, I am about an inch higher and about a quarter inch right 
of my field points every time, every time. I don't shoot many field points once we get close to season. It's almost all broadhead work. But if I do, I say I'm going to go to a place where I've only got a back target available to me. As long as when I'm aiming at bullseye at 50 yards and my uh, field points are an inch low and a little bit left, you know, we're talking a quarter inch left, I know I'm, I'm dead on with my broadhead. But I don't never going to try to get guys to to hit their broadheads and their field points exactly in the same place. That's not that's that's trying to put a bandaid on something so you can shoot and make sure that everything you know uh, uh, hits together and you can do it. And there's a lot of big name guys that, that tell people to do it, but there are different oscillations when that thing leaves the bow. They don't right. recover the same way and they don't fly the same way. And you know, no, they don't. <laughs> no. And so when I'm going out to to hunt um, and take a life, I'm going out there with my broadheads tuned. And I really don't right. care what my field points do. You know. Well, my hunting bow is, is that way. The field field points do not hit even as close as what yours do. Uh, but I shoot the broadheads and then I tune all my broadheads so that they all hit in the same spot. You know, and adjust my sights for that. And as I have another bow to, actually, I got a couple other bows, but um, I have another bow that I shoot if I shoot field points. So right. now, if you can't afford another bow, buy another sight, have one just for hunting, and then change sights to go to target. And, and now yeah. you can shoot the, the rest of the bow setup should be the same. You know, so you got your, your arrows are all, all tuned for this site and it, and come time to shoot hunting, you put your hunting site on, practice with that. Uh, you know, sites are cheap. You, you don't have to have for hunting. You don't need a big fancy, you know, high yeah. dollar site, you know, get one of the other ones because, you know, you need your 20, 30, 40 yard pins, probably what all I really need for most hunting around here. Um, you know, I have a couple more pins on mine just because, you know, I will go practice with that bow out the longer ranges, but uh, um, yeah, don't try and make them hit the same because they're not going to, you know, they no. say mechanicals will, but when you look at it, like we talked about earlier, how long is their field tip versus how long is your mechanical? They're quite a bit longer. That's so right. then, you know, your front and center chain may change. You know, most hunting things around here, you know, that most of us do, you know, in the Midwest that is close range. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we're not going to, no. we're not going to notice a difference. No, you know? no. And in, in, in having those two different tunes, you know, we're not talking about um, having to shim a cam or something. We're talking about micro adjustments in your breast. So, you know, if, if you, go from then you want to shoot your your field points all summer long fantastic lipstick tune as you're getting close to season and and uh get your broadhead out there and practice with them and and then sharpen them up and and you'll be ready to go um you know we're talking just micro adjustments on the rest and so you don't have to have you're exactly right you don't have to have two bows you just uh a lot of a lot of bows you can you could buy just an additional arm and housing and and just slide it in the dovetail and you're you're ready to go with your whichever one you want to shoot. So yeah. you know, I, I like to in, in early season when I'm gonna be shooting out to hundred, 
my arrow is only 422 grains or something. I mean, it's really light. The bow's ridiculously loud. Um, but we'll use that up until, you know, for most guys, we're talking, start with your broadheads around uh, August. You know, you have a couple a couple places that have an early uh, velvet season, like Kentucky, and I think one of the Carolinas, and that where you know you're starting in September. And most guys can take their broadheads and keep them packed away until you know mid-August, get it tuned up, and and go from there and shoot your field points. You know, all all spring long, and for I because IBO and ASA and all that, I think are generally wrapping up about the time hunting season starts coming in. Yeah. So, and no reason not to go out with, with anything less than the very best tune you can put on them. Well, you owe it to yourself and, and the animals to, you know, have, have the best chance at, you know, making a good clean kill and, and getting them, get them in your freezer. That's you right. Know, we, we go out to shoot the deer to get put, put meat in the freezer. That's right. You know, if we didn't want to put meat in the freezer, we go to 3D shoots. And they don't right. worry about broadheads. Okay. But foam tastes terrible. So yeah, it, it don't taste good. No. <laughs> well, we've we've kind of been on here for a little while. So um what do you have in uh, parting thoughts that you like to let us audience our audience know? Well, I, I think we solved all the problems of the world here today, but uh, I appreciate <laughs> you having us on. And uh if you catch us on Sirius TV, see a lot of uh good video but you also see a lot of you know when we miss or you know you'll see uh, an episode where connor killed a trophy blind um you know he took one of our arrows and he was shooting as a javelina and why you have to make sure you have you know what's behind you when you shoot because it uh actually skipped off a rock when he hit low and just perfect flight down the sendero and buried into a brand new blind that this outfitter had. So there's a lot of stuff like that where you'll see, um, you know, a lot of uh, interesting stuff. We we went rattlesnake hunting last year, javelina hunting, been to Africa, and, you know, bear hunting, of course, and deer hunting. But, you know, try to be a little bit unique with Sirius TV. We're on Carbon TV and on uh, YouTube, all of our stuff there. But we also have a lot of uh, tech tips. So we have a new tech series that just came out. In that tech series, we've got uh, you know how to sharpen a three-blade broadhead or how to sharpen a single bevel. Uh, just a lot of stuff that's coming out that how to how to glue veins on. You know, for guys that want to do it at home, that kind of stuff. So there's more than just the entertainment. There's some education there too. So check us out on Sirius TV. Yeah, and I'll leave some links in the description for uh, all those places for the listeners to and watchers to uh find your your uh different places to catch you yeah and if they, and when they get done with uh listening to your podcast which are probably more entertaining we have some really <laughs> stupid stuff that we have out there on our podcast so you know if you, some additional entertainment uh we have some uh, we just finished up one with t-bone who was it that was a great one he's a he's a super guy in our sport and um so you know when it when they're done listening to yours then you can come over with <laughs> ours. Yeah, yours is yours just audio or is yours video as well? It's just audio, yeah. Just audio. Yeah. 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 It's it it's it's fun doing these. I I can do these all day long. There's so much fun doing and 
getting to talk. You get two old guys like us in a room, and we we could go on for hours. Well, yeah, about two, in fact. (laughs) 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 Well, my name is Roy Canterbury. I'm in host today on Arch Talk 101 with our special guest. uh, Guest, if I can talk, (laughs) Seth. And we'll we'll see you in the next one. Uh, This is episode number 91. So stay tuned for the next one. I'll have to figure out something to do special for number 100. Thank you. Right. See everybody later. Bye-bye.